You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo. The tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley. SAB the CV. Copyright 2024. Proximo. Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This is the Dan Lebatar Show with the Stugatz Podcast. Is anyone surprised that both of the streakers in the Super Bowl who were caught, including Mike Ryan, that both of them were from Miami? Both streakers <laughs> in the Super Bowl uh, went to what? Las Vegas. You're surprised by that? I ju- I'm just finding out for the first time. Yes, uh, that, that there were two of them. There were two streakers, including one who looked like a shirtless Mike Ryan. Not surprising. I'd be surprised if they weren't from Miami. Yeah, okay, Uh, because uh, both of them somehow. And that seems like a really unpleasant night that's not worth it. It seems like an assortment (laughs) of bad judgments that result in your life being, uh, you know, not just your freedom taken away for the evening, but I'm guessing it ruins that night and several other days and paperwork and everything else. It doesn't seem, the the cry for attention doesn't (laughs) seem in any way worth it, especially since uh, most people don't uh, televise this anymore. Television has figured out a way not to reward this behavior. But I ask you guys, not understanding what it is that young people do in exchange for attention, Stugatz, because all the time on social media, I'm mortified by somebody who's standing at the edge of a cliff for a photograph when they can fall off that cliff. And many people do to get the photo that they want to show everybody. Doesn't seem worth it. Well, but this, you tell me if it's worth it in the modern economy of attention is the only currency that matters. A shirtless Mike Ryan has forever the photos of him being handcuffed and dragged off the field. Is it worth it, whatever the inconvenience is? Because there's a cost. That costs thousands of dollars. Whatever it is, the penalties, the lawyers, the bond, all of that stuff is very expensive. Plus, as you pointed out, the paperwork. All of it. Oh, just all of it. You have to go. Yeah, you say the you say the paperwork. You can make fun of me, but there's a bureaucracy involved with what you're going to be inconvenienced by doing that. That I don't think a streaker considers before doing. That. I understand that. Just the detail I'm not concerned about is the paperwork. It's annoying. <laughs> I don't you ask Mike how annoying was the paperwork. One of my greatest fears is having to do totally a bunch of paperwork. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that when I was being processed, it took paperwork. Huh. 
Stugatz mocks this, and yet I know Stugatz is the first one complaining anytime he makes a doctor's appointment that he has to fill out a, a form. I hate it, but I'm just saying I'm drunk. I'm at the Super Bowl. I'm thinking about streaking. I'm weighing the positives and the negatives. Never will paperwork come into my mind. I mean. It's always the same form, too, right? You go back to the same oh, doctor's Jesus, office every time, and they make times. you fill out the uh, My pharmacy hasn't changed. It's still that same Walgreens. Please stop asking me to fill this out and look up their address every freaking time I come in. In here my god uh i know stugach you're mocking the idea that i'm thinking about paperwork with nude streaking at a super bowl but i'm telling you it's one of the greatest inconveniences i consider I get it. when i'm like i don't want to get arrested in this situation what is worse i'm going to lose my freedom for a while but i'm not going to have to fill out paperwork or as part of the loss of my freedom you're going to make me fill out paperwork because if you want to jail me to avoid the paperwork i might choose that as an option okay that's how badly i don't want to partake in paperwork all right, I got it. Don't do your taxes, then. This is very simple. I don't. Do your what? Oh. I have others do them. Stugatz doesn't even have others do them. <laughs> Paperwork. Let me ask everybody here a question, because this is something that happened a couple of days ago, and I immediately thought it was staged. I don't know if it is actually staged or not, but on Howie Mandel's podcast, I love that I'm saying that. Hmm. I love that everyone has a podcast. I love that his podcast has a cat behind him wearing a hat for some reason. Mm. Howie Mandel, famed germaphobe, has a podcast that evidently is very popular. And Dana White came on it. And Howie Mandel was effusive in his praise. And then Dana White did something that was strange. Not only an amazing businessman, you are an inspiration, you are a philosopher. The way you do business, the way you uh, conduct your business and your friendships and media is, uh, I'm, I'm jealous. And But Dana, I can't thank you enough for being here. And thank you for all the kind words, I appreciate it. I, I am so tired of doing podcasts. It's, I, I'm literally done with them. I'm not doing any more podcasts. Dana walks out. Comedically perfect. Don't know if it was intentional or not. Think it's funny the way that it is. Don't understand it. Think it's staged. But the awkwardness at the end is so well executed by the actors involved that it makes me wonder if this is just them confused as we are by why you would walk away from what is effusive praise when you are just a promoter who's a carnival barker who is soaked in compliments at all times and somehow got away with slapping his wife in public without any consequences. So burdened by compliments that he walks off. Tell me, is it stage or is it real? Somebody. So he, I saw this pop up on my timeline a couple of days removed from him appearing on Pat McAfee, where he said, this is the only type of show like this that I do. I only do podcasts. I love podcasts because I don't like to deal with media because um, they, they try to get you, which I think in Dana speak is hold you accountable. Uh, he doesn't like that about media, not, you know, prying and holding him accountable. So he appears on podcasts, and he was putting over p the notion of podcasts, and this lines up in direct opposition of a take that I heard last week on Pat McAfee's show, which leads me to believe 
possibly staged, but the performances are so good in this that, you know what, you got me if you're acting. <laughs> Including Dana, by the way, because yeah. I've seen Dana try to act before, yeah. and you could see as Howie Mandel is complimenting him, this notion of him not wanting to be there is washing over his face. Right. He is conveying that. That is great acting, if it, if it is indeed acting. Uh, I don't know what's real and what's not real anymore, and I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I really am. I have no idea if that's staged or not. It appears to me to be staged. Why would you walk out then? He's not criticizing you. He is promoting you. One of the best television shows I have seen recently, it's on what used to be Showtime. It's The Curse, and Christopher Nolan has says it's unlike any television he's ever seen before, and he's right. It's all awkward, and it's wonderfully awkward, and it's funny awkward. Can you guys play that for me again, just so that we can get the last 10 seconds because the last 10 seconds of awkward visually is where the gold is because awkward is wildly funny i'm recommending to all of you the curse okay it's nathan fielder and it's unlike anything i've seen on television and it just sinks into all the awkward watch this at the end not only an amazing businessman, you are an inspiration, you are a philosopher, the way you do business, the way you uh, conduct your business and your friendships and media is, uh, I'm, I'm jealous. And But Dana, I can't thank you enough for being here. And thank you for all the kind words, I appreciate it. I, I am so tired of doing podcasts. It's, I, I'm literally done with them. I'm not doing any more podcasts. The look. It's comedy. It can't get funnier than that. <laughs> I think that's real. If 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 they if this was a put on, like you got me, it's really good. The 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 performances. If if this is a fake, what level of power and privilege have you arrived at when someone is calling you an inspiration, a philosopher? They're jealous of you. They love you as a businessman, as a friend, and it makes you storm off. If you feel like it's disingenuous, which I don't think it is from Howie. If you've had a week, I don't know when he recorded this. It could have been Super Bowl week in Las Vegas, and he's just genuinely tired of he doing anything. Done. Tired of overwhelming praise. Have you ever wondered if Chet Holmgren might be a descendant of Abraham Lincoln, or if a UFC fighter could beat an alien in a fight? You might have not, and that's okay. I probably have thought about the UFC one, to be honest. But Shea Serrano and Jason Concepcion from the Six Trophies podcast have. If you love basketball, and more importantly, if you love fun, you got to listen to Six Trophies, where Jason and Shea serve up the biggest moments from all around the NBA with their brand of unbridled joy, banter, and pop culture side quests. Each week, they hand out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Stuff like the Denzel Washington and Training Day trophy, given out to the player or team having the best week around the NBA. Or the Lauren Hill You Might Win Some, But You Just Lost One trophy for the team or player that just can't get it together. Plus a bunch more trophies for all the good, bad, or just plain head-scratching moments from all around the NBA. This playoff season, you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Don Lebertard. Look out, look out now. <laughs> Just Jack White doing Elvis and Dewey Cox. Stugatz. She hits it out of the park. <laughs> Harry Carries, who that is? <laughs> it's Will Ferrell doing Harry Carries. And Elvis occasionally. <laughs> and look then... out now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Don Lebertard Show with the Stugatz. 
You ready to talk some foosball? We're talking foosball? Yeah. yeah. Do you like foosball? I'm I love foosball. Me too. Very tricky. Love it. Rated game. I'd rather We had play a foosball table, pool, I think. Growing up, my brother and I did and do we used to play like all the time. 2v2 or one per side? Uh, we would do one one on one for the most part, but sometimes our parents would play. Just I would maintain that there's no greater feeling in sports, all sports, than when you are playing foosball and you know you got an open shot at the goal and you spin, you know, you do the, the, the full on spin. It's kind of like the equivalent of like a like a forehand slam. Feels so and it just goes rockets across the table. Oh, it's been Never too done long. That, Dan? I do love the the foosball, the just whipping it as fast as you can. Right? Yes. When, when you got a straight shot, when you see that opening and, and, and you just go whoosh. But I'm, I'm also someone who misses a lot with that. And so it's like the golfer who misses with this swing that he thinks the ball is going to go 300 yards. It's a tricky game, yards. foosball. Yeah. Yeah. You can bend it the like worst, Beckham, though. I mean, I cannot The worst is when you do like it Beckham. and it backfires mm. and it comes right back into your own goal. I hate that one in air hockey. Hubris. That, that uh, happens yes. to me all the time in air hockey. <laughs> Where I yes. score on myself because I'm sending a rock back too yes, fast. Comes right. back too fast, and then that sound haunts me. The sound of it clacking in your own goal. Yeah, uh, Mina, it's it's nice to see you. It is always nice to see you. We have a lot of football to discuss with you, but before we discuss the football portion of this, I did see that uh, you. Um, it's awkward. It's always awkward when you have a celebration marred by a shooting. Uh, yeah. How how do you navigate? in this America as someone who's uh, societally conscious, how do you navigate your love of football, your love of the celebration, uh, uh, your love of the Chiefs winning with, oh, we have to stop the celebration here to have the football players console kids who are dealing with the kind of tragedy that kids should never have to deal with at a time like this in this country. And yet they face it in this country more than they face it in any country. That was the the note from the shooting and, and all the everything that happened around it that really like took my breath away is I, I saw a report it was from Albert Beer about how the players were comforting the kids and he was saying you know they were great and he was complimenting that and you know it's um that you 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 want to praise them and it's wonderful but oh my god right just the revelation just thinking about the kids being there having to see it now the rest of their life who knows how old they are but having that trauma and carrying it with you and obviously um so many instances of that i, I you asked me how i navigate i you know i always wonder what is worth saying and what is worth commenting on because it not only feels futile and i think a lot of us wrestle with that as public figures or just people but um it feels so repetitive and redundant to just complete keep saying it's the guns, it's the guns, it's the guns. Although some people won't even say that, won't use the word guns. We see all these statements that don't reference guns. Um, I never know what, whenever I face like an, like a real story inter like intersecting with football that goes outside the field, I always ask myself, well, what can I actually add to this? And as I was thinking through, I was like, I don't feel like I have a lot to add beyond not being an expert. I, I, I question always what, what can I say that's even additive or helpful? Um, the only thing I felt was worth my time was just sharing the same information that I've shared before about the guns, about the fact that America has, you know, 26 times more 
gun homicides in other high-income countries. That, that, that I shared an article that um, examines the connection between the prevalence of guns in this country and gun violence. It, but at this point, you can't help but feel like, well, you're kind of banging your head into a wall, right? Because if you're ignoring the facts at this point, the facts have been out there, the facts get repeated every time this happens. So I guess you just have to keep doing that. You have to keep even though it feels like you're banging your head into a wall, you have to keep sharing that information. You have to keep saying the word guns. You have to keep calling out public figures because what else can we do at this point? I will tell the audience like we did earlier in the show, theshotline.org. If you want to feel slightly less helpless today, theshotline.org is a couple of easy steps to have uh, AI voices of victims and demand action as well to see if this can be slightly more moving to places in uh, to people in places where maybe it doesn't reach them. But I ask you this question before we move on to the silliness, Mina. Does any of you feel differently today experiencing this now that you're a mother than you did two or three or four years ago because i do think the horror that can reach anyone listening to this whether you have kids or not is that everyone can be united in the consensus of we shouldn't be slaughtering children hard stop but these are sacred places so i'm certain mina has changed her viewpoint on this because dan we're talking about parades we're talking about schools we're talking about movie theaters we're talking about all the places mina that you would send your kids yeah it absolutely changes how i take this story which doesn't mean that it can't hit you just as hard if you don't you know have a child or you don't have that um, someone in your life who is vulnerable and you want to protect them and your whole life is spent thinking about how to protect them now. And uh, it, what a story like this drives home that it didn't for me before is that because of the circumstances of where we live, the fact that we live in a place where so many people have accepted those circumstances, um, where, you know, that our public officials accept those circumstances and are supported by people in our country, um, you can't. And that's like a breathtaking thing to realize. And it's so scary. And my kid, you know, he's home. He, he's five months old. He's in my house. I see him most of the day. Uh, but thinking about my first thought was like, wow, will I feel comfortable taking him to public places? But then there also is the thought of, well, but then there's going to be half of the day at some point, he's going to be separated from me. Uh, and we do all of these things to protect him. I know I spent time, so much time agonizing. Am I feeding him the right food? Am I giving him the right, you know, uh, toys? I don't know, educational toys or whatever. And that realization that you you not only don't have control, and of course that's true of anywhere, but that lack of control, that risk is exacerbated because of where we live. It's it's just shocking. It, I, I hadn't thought of it before. And I it, you hold that in your heart now every time you say goodbye, every time they walk out the door. Stu's not, I mean, Stu has, you know, I just can't believe that we're all so accepting of that. Not we are all, but that... As a country, we've accepted that level of risk when it comes to, you know, the people who are the most vulnerable. So this is an awkward flailing transition into the <laughs> football topics of the day. I haven't figured out how to do this one yet. Pro. I mean, uh, no, I have not I mean, figured out how to do this one yet because I don't know. I, I know I was talking to Nick Wright. Nick Wright, this is a pretty 
fun time for Nick Wright. But this is his city. It's the city he cares about. And and he has kids and he's running away from a celebration where he's hugging Travis Kelsey. He's in the middle of the celebration and he yeah. feels the need to nail the moment right now in terms of social commentary on behalf of being a person with a microphone talking about the important things that need to be talked about. I don't know how uh, this next year is going to play out, uh, Mina, but I also don't know how you jump back and forth between let me talk about Kelsey. Kelsey bumping Andy Reid. Let me talk about what a fool Shanahan is. And also let me talk about gun violence in America because it's out of control in a way that's no longer acceptable to anybody. But isn't that the uh, tension that everyone is living with now in our country? Like it's one thing for us to say, okay, you know, professionally, we're having to make these transitions. You're going to about to ask me about Kyle Shanahan, Steve Wilkes or whatever. And I have to hold multiple thoughts in my head at once. But again, like everybody regardless of whether you have a microphone in your face, had to hold those thoughts at once yesterday when they went about their days, when they saw the news, absorbed the news, probably hit up their friends and said, wow, this sucks, nothing's happening, and then went back to work. It's just we're constantly now living in this state where we have to constantly live with that fear, that risk, and then go about our lives. It's not just us. Don't you become numb, though? Isn't the danger that the helplessness and the inactivity and no matter what you do, nothing changes? Isn't the danger that you become numb to the lack of humanity in all of it? That you just if it's happening one and a half times a day somewhere and if it's happening more here than it's happening everywhere else and we keep yelling about it and nothing changes, I don't know how you you don't become numb to your helplessness. I think that's the choice you have to make is for us people who have platforms is, okay, do I really want to share this same article and say the same things when it feels like nothing's changing? It feels like it's not reaching anyone. And you have to make that tiny bet that maybe 2% of the people who see this, it didn't, didn't know the facts, didn't, weren't aware of the disparity, um, you know, between this country and other high income countries, perhaps didn't know about the connection between the, the the very demonstrable proven connection statistically between the prevalence of guns and gun violence. Or maybe they already did. There they it's somebody who was concerned about control control, but wasn't armed with those sorts of statistics when they have that conversation with other people in their lives. You have to just keep doing it, even though it does feel futile and repetitive and I think there's also something about the normalization of continuing to speak out, you know, um, even if it doesn't feel like it it changes anything, the more people who just do it every time and continue to do it and continue to point to the statistics and continue to decry the inaction of public officials. um, That's ultimately how change comes about, even though it feels like it's never going to happen and it's taking forever. I will tell the audience again, the shot line dot org uh mina will come back with you after this folks listen up i want to talk to you about pxg and their new black ops driver you no longer have to sacrifice distance for accuracy for forgiveness folks those days are done you get both of those things with this new driver because i went to one of their pxg locations and i tested it out myself and my boy mike over there if you're in fort lauderdale you got to go to that location he took care of me there it was quick it was efficient by the time i got into my car i had my email where my clubs were going to be sent i have them now it is a beautiful thing what an experience the pxg black ops driver is a break 
breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete, total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. It's adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000. I'm telling you, that is ridiculously high. You got to check it out. The PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed as I was. Learn more and get free shipping on all the equipment at pxg.com slash Dan. Use code Dan at checkout. That's pxg.com slash Dan. Code Dan for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash Dan. Code Dan. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days, spring's the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Challenge yourself. And Peloton's classes were made just for that, to challenge you. There's a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve what you already excel in. Plus, if you don't know which class to take to reach your fitness goals, guess what? You can join one of Peloton's many programs. Right now, I'm in a strength program with Andy and a core program with Emma. They're expert coaches like Andy and Emma, and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With Peloton, you don't need to worry about driving to the gym, making it to class on time. You can do it all from the comfort of your own home whenever it fits your busy schedule. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Don Lebertard. I've pulled up the Urban Dictionary definition of zaddy. Yeah. And it says here, a fine, handsome, and sexy-ass intelligent man (laughs) that makes you smile and drip every time you see him. (laughs) What? I absolutely hated listening to you read that. Stugatz. Hell yeah. My zaddy is all of that. Damn, Zaddy, got all my lips smiling. He doesn't. You can't do this to him. Yes, we can. Daily. We daily. do this daily. You don't this know what you're saying. Winning him. Yeah, winning him. That's being, it's a perspective of a, of a 20-year-old woman. Winning him. Reads. <laughs> this is the Don Lebatar Show with the Stugats. All right, Mina, let's transition into the playground silliness of what was most theatrically interesting to you. What was the football stuff that was most interesting to you? What of Greg, uh, What of Stugatz's classification of Kyle Shanahan, that's a fireable offense. You got to know the rules. Get out of here, Kyle Shanahan. You should be fired. You can't. People can't let up on Kyle Shanahan. He deserves yeah. he deserves to be buried for costing his team the Super Bowl. He gets Bowl. rid of Steve Wilkes today. Oh, Wilksy. I mean, what is going on? I accept some responsibility for what happened in that game. You didn't know the rules. You you think he did? No. I don't, I don't think he knew the overtime uh, rules. No, because I, think, I, I do th- mean, I think he's a smart coach. And if he knew the rules, yeah. he would have known to go for it on fourth down because you don't give Patrick Mahomes okay. a chance to march down the field and beat well, you. Did, he, did he know actually, the rules or did he understand the rules? Like, what? There, there might be a difference there. Stu, you seem to have, you kind of, I don't know if you backed into it or if you, you're you actually, you, this was intentional, but you actually, that to me is um, a more nuanced criticism than the one that. I've been hearing more, which is uh, how dare he not take the ball second so you have the opportunity to you have the information. You, you mentioned that he didn't go for it. Um, and I, I haven't seen that criticism that much. I actually think that is a um, perhaps a, a better and more interesting critique that they kicked the field goal there on, on uh, fourth down when they had the ball. Because if you go for it there, uh, yes, it's possible that you don't 
convert, but you also, if you don't convert, you pin the chief. They were all the way yes. uh, near the goal line. And yep. I actually thought that that's something I haven't seen many people suggesting that Shanahan should have done that. I was actually surprised when Shanahan went for it on fourth down during regulation because he's a very conservative coach. This has long been my frustration with him. I think he's an absolutely brilliant play caller. I think he makes a lot of mistakes as a game manager. Um, and ultimately, I think, you know, I, you could argue that 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 came to haunt him, not just in overtime with his approach, but at the end of the first half, didn't take a timeout, cost a team an extra possession. I've seen him do that a million times. It's crazy. Like, he's the most creative, smart, best at sequencing play caller in the NFL, and yet seems to have, like, an inability in his own play calling when it comes to offensive aggression, and it drives me nuts. Moreover, the reason to actually kick there and not receive because it takes some of the guesswork out of it. You know exactly what the scenario is if you have the ball second, which is another shocking reason. And you're saying wholeheartedly he knew the rules. Understanding well, is something yeah. different. The players very clearly didn't. And there was a difference there outside of the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown who said he didn't know if he won. Uh, the, the important players on that Kansas City offense said that this was something that was drilled into them. We have not. I think given enough attention to the fact that we were robbed of what could have been one of the funniest moments in the history of Super Bowls, which is if the 49ers had scored and they all thought they would have won. (laughs) Walk off? (laughs) Yes. We saw that the players didn't know. If they had scored, they would have gone ballistic. We might have had guys like running onto the field celebrating. Getting penalties, getting, getting penalties, pe- like giving, giving Mahomes 15 <laughs> yards oh, because they hit the seen, ball the one. I have a feeling you would have seen Kyle Shanahan celebrate too. <laughs> Stop it. Um, the overtime game is interesting, guys. You know, when they changed the rules after the uh, the Chiefs-Bills game, um, I, I talked to a lot of folks around the NFL because I was curious. Like, my initial thought was you take the ball second so you have information. I, I By the way, this Stugatz is not strong in me. I tweeted that at the beginning. You can go look at the timestamp at the beginning of overtime time so uh, it wasn't Monday 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 morning quarterbacking on my part but I was surprised by a lot a lot of folks around the NFL um, were like "Eh, you can actually make a case for it either way because as Shanahan alluded to the advantage you get if you have the third possession when it goes to sudden death Um, and then you know you give your defense a break as well Uh, I suspect though moving forward we'll probably see more teams take the ball second you know we had so little there's so little this is the first time it ever happened nobody really had the information to work off of. And you can say, well, how do you do that when Kyle or when Patrick Mahomes is on the other side? Totally get that. But you could also argue that, uh, you know, he had a lot of faith in his own offense to score. Now, the Chiefs players said that they would have kicked, gone for two. I tend to believe them. So that to me might have been uh, Shanahan's biggest miscalculation is not believing the other team would be more aggressive than him and go for two. Mina, you got an awful lot right. You told us, you warned us that Kansas City would be some semblance of fine. You also told us that everyone you talked to told you that McCaffrey would have that game. What I hadn't accounted for is that Kansas City would allow McCaffrey to have that game in exchange for Debo's not going to get anything, Kittle's not going to get anything, and Ayuk's not going to get anything. I didn't think that was possible. I'm used to every time I look up, Purdy's getting 300 yards because Debo and Ayuk have 110 of them. Yeah, I the week of the Super Bowl, uh, I at, in Radio Row, I had Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward on my YouTube channel, 
And I asked them, like, what did you guys do? Because the Browns gave the Niners a really hard time. And I think that was a bad way. That was a bad, it definitely was a bad weather game. But both of them said, we just were like, you know what? We're going to go down fighting and play man coverage. And we're, you know, we're going to win with the pass rush and, and bat balls because this is a smaller quarterback. But the, the man, we're going to, we're going to play sticky man coverage because we have the personnel to do so. And I think I underestimated the ability of the Chiefs secondary to do that as well. I mean, rewatching the coverage was outstanding. Trent McDuffie, Legereus Need. I mean, they had Debo in an absolute chokehold in this game, uh, just so physical at the line of scrimmage. And it really disrupted the Niners' offense to their credit. Uh, that and the fact that, like, you know, with the Blitzes, a lot, obviously tons and tons of unblocked pressures. That was interesting to rewatch too, because every time it wasn't like one thing, like, oh, Brock Purdy is screwing up or the Niners offensive line is screwing up or George Kittle is screwing up in pass protection, which is how you get Trent McDuffie. It was always a different thing, but it felt like Steve Spagnuolo was a step ahead when it came to his pressures versus what the 49ers were doing in pass protection. How are we to regard the Kansas City Chiefs defense historically? Because I was saying yesterday that if you have Mahomes, you're not allowed to ever be remembered as one of the best defenses ever. But what they just did to four <laughs> elite offenses is unlike anything I've seen a defense do, especially in the second half. It's so unfair. I mean, I, I don't think yeah. this will be regarded as a historically great defense. And the only reason it won't be is because Mahomes is their quarterback. I disagree. I think people will remember this as a defensive Super Bowl. Um, you know, I think back to the uh, the thirteen to three Patriots Rams Super Bowl. I, I think most of us remember that about as being like Tom Brady, like Patrick Mahomes. He had that incredible final drive with Rob Gronkowski. Remember to to win the game. But when we look back at that Super Bowl, like when I do the Brady Belichick chart, that one goes under Belichick for me. Um, and I think with Mahomes, we're at a point now where there have been so many Super Bowls. I suspect there will be so many Super Bowls that we will be able to do that as well. And we will look back at this year as very much being about the defense. We will also look at it as though as the year that Patrick Mahomes dragged potentially the worst group of skill players he'll ever have to the Super Bowl. But, you know, I think both things can be true. I'm just looking at that game that's going to be remembered as the Mahomes game, and I'm going to ask you, how many touchdown, long touchdown drives did he have in that game? Only the one that mattered, right? Right. It yeah. Was, it was when it mattered most. Yes. <laughs> it it oh, really oh, is oh. like the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl yep. in that way. It should have been longer if Shanahan knew the rules. I mean. <laughs> what did you think of the Kelsey bumping a Reed situation? Because I'm maintaining that if Andy Reed had gone down and had trouble getting up, America would show a great deal of concern for how violent a gesture that was. Or if was. Travis Kelsey were just black. I think um, Taylor Swift internet did show some concern in the moment. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting served uh, some of the like deep Taylor Swift accounts by the algorithms, but they're like, is he too violent? Like Taylor Swift, like, because they are very much worried at all times about whether or not he's right for her or any partner is right for her. And I did see a lot of breakdowns of that moment saying, whoa, 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 we got to watch out for uh, Travis Kelsey here. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's a moment, Dan, where if they if the Chiefs had lost, it would have been run back a lot more. And this is always the case with football, right? Winning 
erases everything. Mm-hmm. Mina, I want to know what your thoughts are on Steve Wilkes being fired because it seemed like yeah. there was going to be a drop off with the defense no matter what this year after D'Amico Ryan's left and he feels like he's getting a, a bit of a scapegoat treatment even though I know there, there were struggles throughout the season and at the same time Shanahan did want him to run like the system that they had in place last year so how much do you really blame him? I think this is really this is really interesting. It's really complicated because if the Niners had not gone to the Super Bowl, I don't think a soul on earth would have been surprised if Steve Wilkes was fired after the performance we saw from that defense against the Packers and the Lions, right? But then they played so well in the Super Bowl that if it and that's our last memory of this defense and this football team it feels like scapegoating. It's it's like, what what the heck? The offense didn't come up. The defense did their part in the Super Bowl. And I think that's the problem is we're kind of looking at it through the lens of the Super Bowl. Um, my, my take on sort of his role in that defense, which was still good during the regular season, but they weren't as good, struggled in run defense, is it, it, for a while we've been talking about the Niners um, losing all these coaches, right? Yeah, like, Kyle Shanahan didn't want to lose D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan's became a head coach, obviously. Um, but there's kind of a brain drain with that. And the sense I got from this team, they, and they've lost a ton of coaches on both offense and defense. The sense I got with this team is that they they had a very specific identity on defense. Um, D'Amico Ryan's was a brilliant coordinator who you know, executed that identity. And they brought in Wilkes, who had a specific system, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more blitzing for a lot more blitzing, actually, for example. And Shanahan said, okay, well, keep 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 this thing going. We we know what we do on defense. We have the players. And that there was some conflict throughout the season between his vision, D'Amico Ryan's vision, and Steve Wilkes' vision. And I think what we're seeing now is the result of that conflict, the result of some of the performances during the regular season. But it feels wrong because the last time we saw the defense, they played so well. We've got less than 90 seconds left. I will remind people it's an extraordinary podcast. The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is something you should find on YouTube and in just its audio form. But uh, Mike Ryan has a multiple choice question for you, and you're only allowed to pick one answer here. One of three. Wow. Okay. Most important reason the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, aside from Patrick Mahomes, is possibly the greatest. Drake Greenlaw tears his Achilles running onto the field uh, earlier in that game. Leo Chanel grades out to be Pro Football Focus's most impactful player in that game. Or Kyle Shanahan decides to get the ball first. Huh. I choose D, government psyop. Hmm. I'm sorry, D was actually Trent McDuffie. Oh. <laughs> Greenlaw's injury was kind of important, though. They were all, yeah, they went after his, his uh, replacement. They, I mean... I would probably go with um, Chris Jones had some pretty impactful moments. They don't win without Chris Jones, so I'll go with Chris Jones. Including, Mina, on the the third. If they, It would have never come down to the fourth down if Purdy had made the correct read on third and four. It wasn't an option either, Mina. That wasn't an option. Pick one That's of right. the That wasn't one of the options. You went off the board. You went yeah. off the board. Now yeah. we're out of time, Mina. The answer is Kyle Shanahan very clearly yes, should have that's the answer. kicked the ball. Come we on. glossed over something that Mina said earlier. I'm very excited about this. She has a Brady-Belichick chart where she assigns who was the reason they won specific Super Bowls. I want to see that chart next week, okay? 
the entire I'll show time. it to you. Okay, it's more you. Brady, but Belichick's right behind him. <laughs> um, it's not. Mina, excited to do this, uh, the offseason, to talk less football with you and more life. We'll, well talk the, to you next the week. The deal expired, so no, you won't. See you later. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.